Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Hopefully you're... Philip's fast, in other words, for those of you in the western lung of the church, Advent is going well. And by well, I mean you're doing at least three things, three categories of spirituality, fasting, prayer, and charity. See, the first two animate the third one. They make the third one more possible, more amplified. Fasting, saying no to self in whatever way. Now, naturally, one of the easiest ways is through food abstaining from meat and dairy products on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's the traditional fast in the Eastern churches during this time of Advent, or what we call the Phillips fast. But you can also fast from anything, any way you can say no to yourself at any part of the day and as many times during the day on whatever level, little nose or big nose, forms us. It actually forms us. It breaks down the excesses of our psycho-spiritual, physical selves. And it opens us up to what is more necessary, what is more worthy, what is more of God. And it opens us to prayer. That's the second one. We should be praying more, especially as a household or family, going to church more. We have many marvelous feast days during this period, especially in the Eastern churches. We just came through the feast of the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple, which we call the prelude of benevolence of God, the prelude of the benevolence of God. Because the Virgin Mary in that feast day, traditionally, it is said that she was brought to the temple as a three-year-old girl, and she was raised in the temple, fed by angels. And also this coming week, we celebrate Andrew the Apostle, and also later on in the week, the prophet Nahum and the prophet Habakkuk. And also finally on Saturday, it'll be prophet Zephaniah. Now, why the prophets? Well, obviously, because they foretold the coming of Christ, which of course was fulfilled in the incarnation. That's a better word actually for the nativity. Okay, so we have fasting, in other words, asceticism, the big no to ourself, or even small no's. But the important thing is that it's no. Again, no is also a positive. We never have a negative without a positive in spirituality. We say no so as to open ourselves to a positive, to something better. Prayer, 
And then finally, charity. Our ability to love is actually a function of our saying no to ourselves and of our prayer. Because love, when it is deep and is real, is disciplined. It's all about saying no to self and saying yes to the other, making that gift of self. And we need to be disciplined in that. It's not easy because of original sin. And soon, we'll be coming up on some other wonderful feast days, such as the Feast of St. Nicholas, Archbishop of Myra. And in fact, it's a huge day in the Byzantine tradition. At my parish on December 3rd, we'll be celebrating St. Nicholas in a very special way. We have what's called Christmas on the Prairie, an outdoor and indoor event on our beautiful prairie, 10 acres of natural woodlands on our property at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. Towards the end of the day, St. Nicholas himself, that's right, dressed in his traditional Byzantine bishop vestments. He will be coming up our driveway onto our property to meet the children in a horse-drawn carriage. Big White Clydesdale would be bringing him up in the carriage. We've got lanterns on it, a driver with a top hat, just like you're in a Charles Dickens day. And he'll be meeting all the children, giving them rides in his carriage, giving them presents. And we have all kinds of other activities going on as well. So it's a beautiful day, a wonderful day, great day for the family. It's free. So join us. Go to ByzantineCatholic.com if you want to find out more about it. ByzantineCatholic.com for Christmas on the Prairie, Saturday, December 3rd from 2 to 6 p.m. at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. The other tradition for St. Nicholas is to put shoes out in front of the bedrooms of our children at home and to have those children wake up the next morning with those shoes filled with treats from St. Nicholas. And this, of course, harkens back to some of the great stories of St. Nicholas, his generosity, especially the one where he threw gold coins into the window of a bedroom of these young girls whose father was going to sell them. He was going to sell his own daughters because he didn't have money for their dowry. They were poor. So he was that desperate. St. Nicholas knew about that in his charity. He came by, and in the middle of the night, he threw gold coins into the room. So the father did not have to sell his daughters, and he had the money for their dowry, for their marriages. That's where a lot of the tradition that we know today is St. Nicholas, even Santa Claus and Kris Kringle and so on, whatever you want to call them. That's originally where it came from, from an actual Byzantine bishop back in the 4th century who was known for his generosity, especially his kindness to the poor, and his humility, his meekness. But he also, being a true saint, he had great strength. One of my favorite stories, St. Nicholas, is when he attended the First Nicene Council, the one that was battling the Arian heresy. The story goes that St. Nicholas stalked across the room and slapped Arius in the face because he was spouting this heresy of the Trinity, especially the natures of Christ. And the story says that the bishops then threw Nicholas out. They wanted to strip him of being a bishop. But in the middle of the night, the Virgin Mary appeared to these bishops and they said, reinstate Nicholas, for he was right. So it's one of my favorite stories of Nicholas, not because I like violence or people slapping people, but it shows his strength, his passion for the truth, while at the same time he was this great figure of meekness and humility. So St. Nicholas, a for real figure, it really did exist, huge figure in the Byzantine church, especially coming up on December 6th. Well, he's done it again, Pope Francis. (laughs) That's right, our Pope Francis. Once again, as one of my priests friends once told me, he said, boy, that Pope Francis, he could be so on the mark in what he says. Other times you just wonder, you scratch your head, now what is he saying? He gets a lot of people all confused a lot, and a lot of people upset sometimes by what he says. And lately in an interview, 
And if you want a reference for this, it's from LifeSite News on November 11th, 2016. That's LifeSite News, November 11th, 2016. It's an article. It's entitled, Pope Francis on the Young Who Like Latin Mass. Quote, why so much rigidity? Unquote. So they're quoting the Pope there. It says that in an interview, Pope Francis criticized the, quote, rigidity of young people who are attached to the traditional Latin Mass. The Pope said, I always try to understand what's behind people who are too young to have experienced the pre-conciliar liturgy, meaning before Vatican II. And yet still they want it, the pontiff said. Sometimes I find myself confronted with a very strict person with an attitude of rigidity. And I ask myself, why so much rigidity? Dig, dig, this rigidity always hides something, insecurity or even something else. Rigidity is a defense. True love is not rigid. The Pope said that traditionalists, with their hostile inflexibility, fail to allow themselves to be surprised by God. And then he said, to speak of the reform of the reform, meaning the reform of the liturgy since the Second Vatican Council in the Latin Rite, is a mistake. He said that the reform is really, it was a term that is associated with Pope Benedict XVI, although he never really used that term per se. Others used it to summarize some of the teachings and some of what Pope Benedict XVI was trying to do, especially with the liturgy. And Pope Francis said that the reform of the reform is not right. We should not have a reform of the form, he said. And this has obviously confused and upset a lot of people, as Francis is wont to do from time to time. By that, I'm not making a judgment on what he's saying. Some people react to Pope Francis often this way, it seems like in his pontificate. And maybe it's because it's his way of keeping us on our toes kind of throwing us some curveballs to make us think. You know, he is very pastoral. Sometimes pastors do that. You know, we like to keep our people a little bit thinking, a little bit on edge, a little bit on their toes, a little bit vigilant. So I'm not judging what he's saying, but I would like to offer some insights on what he's saying, especially those of you who may be confused or maybe even insulted by what he said. I'd like to offer some insights from the perspective of the eastern lung of the church on this whole idea of the Latin Mass and rigidity, Roman Catholics, Eastern Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, and so on. What is the Pope driving at? Does he have some legitimate points? Well, we assume that a Pope does, because he's the Pope. Yes, he has some legitimate points. What happens in life, there's a little lesson about life, especially in Western civilization, we tend to live in a bipolar fashion. We move like a pendulum between opposite poles. We had in the pre-Vatican II church, especially in the Latin rite, we had a mass that was very solemn, very perhaps what Pope Francis might call rigid. I'm talking about the Tridentine mass, the Latin mass. And then after the Second Vatican Council, we kind of swung, especially in the Western lung of the church, to almost the opposite pole, where the mass became much more casual. Many things changed in the church. Even its structure, its architecture, its appointments, statues were gotten rid of and so on. Lots and lots of changes that upset many people, confused many people. So it was a, a pendulum swing. Now here's where some of the genius of the East comes in. The Eastern perspective has a very good ability to live in what I always call the both and, in this and that at the same time, where two complementary things converge. And we simply live in that convergence. We don't try to go one way or the other. 
It's not that the Western Church can't do this, but it seems to be easier for the Eastern Church to do that. And in that sense, they offer a certain gift of example to the West and how to negotiate through certain things without going bipolar. Now, when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Eastern Church's perspective in regard to the Latin Mass and some of the Pope's comments. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R life at earthlink.net. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Do you know what the Christmas spirit is? Some say the Christmas spirit is a feeling, a feeling of love, joy, and peace that comes this time each year. (laughs) You know, it's not a bad answer. It's just incomplete. The Christmas spirit is the living presence of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit actively animating and perfecting the lives of Christians. In fact, the love, joy, and peace that we associate with the Christmas spirit are what St. Paul calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many wish the Christmas spirit could be with us all year round. Well, I've got news for you. It can. Why do you think I'm so jolly? So even long after the Christmas decorations are stored away, our hearts can be filled 365 days with the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds if we are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the true Christmas spirit. For Christ is born, glorify Him. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. Just a reminder about a great event at my own parish of Annunciation in Homer Glen called Christmas on the Prairie. Bring the kids. It's free. It's a great, wholesome, indoor-outdoor event, and they get to meet St. Nicholas, the real St. Nicholas, and get a ride in his horse and carriage. That's December 3rd, so Saturday, between 2 and 6 p.m. at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. You can find out more by going to the website, byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. So come and join us. Bring the kids. They'll love it, I guarantee. We're responding to Pope Francis's one of his latest interviews, which again is a kind of a head-scratcher, where he's claiming that young people especially who desire the in the Western Church, the Latin Mass, and he's saying, well, why would they desire that? They have no reference point. They, they never knew that Mass. Why would they want that? He said, there must be something wrong, something else going on in there because you want some kind of rigidity. And we're responding to that idea of rigidity. 
And as I mentioned that, in fact, one of the causes, rather, for rigidity is swinging between poles, between opposites. And part of the antidote for rigidity is to learn how to live in the both and, that some of this is good and some of this is good as well. Even though they might seem to be opposites, we've got to bring them together. Because I have to admit, I'm a Byzantine Catholic, but I knew the Latin Rite Church well as I was growing up, and I'm 62 years old, so that means I knew the Latin Rite Church before the Second Vatican Council. I knew kind of the whole ethos of the church, both East and West. And I have to tell you that when the Second Vatican Council happened, yes, there were many changes in the liturgy in the church that really were not actually instructed by the documents of the Second Vatican Council. A lot of liberties were taken. But at the same time, I have to admit, there was a certain spirit in the air of the church that was very welcoming to me. Because there was a certain rigidity that was setting in, and this happens to the church. The church always, from time to time, renews itself. It's a living organism. It's a body. It's the body of Christ. You know, bodies breathe. They grow. They move, even though they might be the same body. The church is the same way. It's the same church, same theology, same belief, but it, it's organic. It, it moves. It breathes. It's real. It changes, just like our bodies do, not fundamentally but in a natural way, in a way that's sometimes necessary. So there were certain things that happened that came into the, the ethos, sort of the, the air that we breathe in the church at that time, which I really welcomed, especially as a young person, I still welcome. So we have to be able to appreciate that there's something from this and something from that that are both very valuable, and we kind of try to put them together or live in the, in the confluence of both of them. Rigidity, yes, it can sometimes be a sign of something underlying, as the Pope said. Sometimes it's just a matter of wanting certainty, that we know this is how things are, and we want to be justified, almost like Pharisees. If I know all the rules, if I do everything just right, then I'm, I'm holy, I'm justified, I'll get to heaven. You know, I know my catechism, I know everything a church says, I know what I'm supposed to do at, at church, I know when to kneel, when to stand, what to do, I know all the services and so on. That's all good. We should know that. But sometimes I think that the rigidity the Pope's talking about might have something to do with wanting us kind of certainty, a kind of a, well, feeling justified, that we, we got it all together. It's interesting because the Pope said, we're not allowing God to surprise us, to be surprised by God. And that's an interesting comment by the Pope. I think he's on to something there, that we are oftentimes surprised by God of, of how he'll work in the church, how he'll work in our lives and daily events. And we have to be open to that. We don't, we don't have it all together in our heads. We don't control it all. And sometimes that rigidity can be, well, it can actually be very uncompassionate. It can be very insensitive at times, very judgmental. And it can frighten people at times. For those of you who may be old enough to remember the so-called good old days of the church, did have a certain frightening aspect to it. It was as though, as many people will say, looking back on that, who grew up with that, they say it's almost like everything was a sin and we're all going to hell because we could never be good enough. And I admit that, that was, it was like that. At least you had that sense. Not that the church taught that, but there was a, an ethos, a sense, of a, a kind of a, a smell in the air in the church at that time of that kind of rigidity. And the Second Vatican Council healed a lot of that. And that was good. Like I said, many things came in that 
were not really of the council. They really were not. And if you read the documents, you'll, you can see that. And so the things that came in that were not of the council left a certain hunger, a certain hole in the spirituality, in the spiritual hunger of a lot of people. And we know when we're hungry, we go in search of things. We go in search of food. We go in search of nourishment. So people have gone in different directions. They've either left the church, largely over the changes in the mass in the Western church, or they have sometimes come to my church or the Eastern churches, especially for people who missed what they experienced in the Latin mass, that sense of solemnity, of very clear structure, of a sense of the transcendence, the holiness, reverence. They missed some of that because some of that was lost in some of the, well, changes that happened after Vatican II in the Western Church, changes that were not necessarily part of what Vatican II actually said. So people missed it. So they came to the Eastern churches. But what's important for those people is that Well, it's wonderful that the church breathes with both lungs, so they had a place to go within the church. Thank goodness they didn't leave the church or stop going. They found a refuge in the Eastern churches. Many did. Not thousands and thousands, but many did. And this was a good thing, a good aspect of the church. But also, those that have come to the Eastern churches have to realize that the Eastern liturgies, yes, they have solemnity to them. They have participation, they have jubilation, they have celebration, they have a structure, a very clear structure. They face the east, ad orientum, whereas the priest, everybody else faces the altar. The priest turns around from that altar a few times during the liturgy, but only at certain times, just as he did in the Latin Mass. So they have to understand that it's not the old Latin Mass. It is what it is, as we often say in our culture. It is an Eastern liturgy, has its own character and flavor. And That flavor, as I mentioned, has to do primarily with the, number one, the sense of transcendence, of looking towards and being in the presence of a God who is so much holier than we are, so awesome, that all we can do is bow our heads and ask for repentance. And the church must be designed and appointed in every way from floor to ceiling with that sense of reverence. Because we're not only... We're not only coming before the awesome God, but we're coming into heaven. We're stepping into the heavenly liturgy when we enter the church, both east and west, but in particular, it comes across in the Eastern liturgy. And so we're there not to be rigid, not to be somber. It's solemn, but it's also celebrative. If you've ever come to an Eastern liturgy, even though the church is richly decorated, the priest faces east and so on, there's a lot of celebration to it. There's a lot of participation to it because we're entering into not a rule book, but we're entering into an encounter with God, and we're entering into a participation in the very life of the Trinity in the liturgy, in which we are transformed and we take our place along the angels and saints in heaven in the ongoing heavenly liturgy. So it's important to understand what liturgy really is about, what it is supposed to be, and how it is in the Eastern churches. I think that for the young people that the Pope's talking about in the Latin Rite Church who desire the Latin Mass, and he's very puzzled at that, it's true. They don't have an actual point of reference. Sometimes it surprises me as well because they don't really remember the Latin Mass. I do. I'm old enough to remember it, but they don't. 
So there is a certain kind of nostalgia, but it's also a searching, a searching for something that is in the soul, in the heart of all human beings. We have a natural propensity, a natural openness for an encounter with a transcendent God, with some being that is greater than we are, that we know is all holy and greater than we are, that takes us beyond ourselves. A God at the same time with whom we can be intimate, who has come down among us to make us part of him. So we actually become part of his divine nature, especially in the Eucharist. We have this desire within us and we will seek it in whatever place we can find it. Sometimes it's not in very healthy places. Sometimes we get so frustrated in our search for that that we we quit altogether. The important thing is though, we stay with the church. The church is big enough with its two lungs, its various rites, its Latin Mass, its Tridentine Mass, its Novus Ordo Mass, its devotions, its Eucharistic adoration, its rosary, its the Jesus prayer, it's the divine liturgy, it's the mass, it's all these things are places that we can go. That's the beauty of the church. That's why we must stay with the church. Stay with the church. There's a place for everyone in it, as long as, of course, we believe in what the church is saying and in its mission. Stay part of the mission of the church. Stay with it. Find your place in it and stay with it. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. More to life is about living the Catholic difference in our marriages, our families, the way we approach life in general. It's about celebrating life and our Catholic faith and discovering all the ways God wants to bless us and help us be a blessing to others. More to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!